Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Broadcasting from the heart of the I Work For Him nation to Christ followers, transforming your workplace into a ministry place. You've tuned into the voice of the faith and work movement. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him. We're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We are, and we're so glad that there are people um, joining us this afternoon, and um, hopefully people will be able to share this later, because I know that um, everybody's getting inundated, Jim, with technology right now, and there's so many ways we can connect, which is wonderful, but not all of them are on the right time frame. So um, the wonderful thing about this is we can share this later as well. Yeah, and it's fantastic. What does it look like to get inundated with technology? I don't know. Does that mean you start to get pixelated? I don't know. We'll have to go with that. (laughs) All right, listen, is your workplace a safe place, a place where all are treated equal, a place where a human being, regardless of their looks, gets treated as an image bearer of God. Is your workplace known for justice or for injustice? Do certain customers get better treatment than others? Social justice can be hijacked by the media or filled with truth and bring peace to a nation with results in redemptive justice. That's what we're after. Are you someone that fights for justice or looks the other way because it doesn't impact you personally? Christ followers need to be leaders in bringing healing to this nation, and today we'll meet two people committed to leading that way. Kathy Branzell with Love2020.com and the National Day of Prayer Task Force. And we also have Justin Giveney, who is with and sorry, the mm-hmm. andcampaign.org. It's a very interesting name. We get to hear about more. Kathy Branzell, Justin Gibney, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, good to be with you. Justin, did I get the name right? Did I do okay? Nailed it. Good. Okay, good. Because, you know, it was something I'd never ever said before. So, Kathy, before we get started with Justin, because I know that you're going to do a great introduction for him, just tell us. Prayer's got to be the center, center stage right now. Prayer has got to be the center stage for where we're at right now. Give us an update on love2020.com and the National Day of Prayer Task Force. What's going on? Uh, so we have united in so many ways, um, NDP and Love 2020, carrying it through and beyond 2020. We're really excited. But right now, you are exactly right. We need to be centered in prayer. And so we just started last Friday, we started the Nehemiah response. Now we know the book story from the book of Nehemiah. And what we're wanting to do is to fill the air with prayer. Uh, A.R. Bernard just said to me a few weeks ago, never underestimate the power of prayer to change the atmosphere. And er, <laughs> America needs a change of atmosphere right now. There's Amen. a lot of empty chatter, <laughs> a lot of divisiveness, Um, a lot of untruth that's circulating. And so we just want to fill the air with the word of God and prayer. And so we are asking people to go on their social media site, their wall, just like Nehemiah did, and we're going to repair it in prayer. And so everybody's taking their wall, their piece, and every single day for the next 52 days, so leading us into um, Labor Day, we are going to post a prayer for America every single day. And then just like in Nehemiah chapter three, where someone, you know, who was to the left and to the right of each person, there's those great words. And next to him was, and next to him was, and next to them was. And so we're asking people in the power of triplicate prayer to go to at least two other people's walls that they know are participating with us or encourage their friends to participate with us. 
and to pray in agreement that person's prayer for America, again, speaking blessings, speaking scripture, not curses, not being political and critical, but biblical. And then to share their prayer. So we are literally filling the wall, reconstructing the wall mm. and worship in prayer. So where do they find those daily um, prayers that are being posted, Kathy? So on the National Day of Prayer Task Force uh, Facebook page, Okay. Um, there's more information on the nationaldayofprayer.org website as well. Excellent. So before you introduce the guests that we have with us today, I want to hear you share with our listeners from your heart, what is it that you're anticipating for them for this conversation? Hmm. So uh, it'll kind of weave its way into the introduction of Justin because uh, I've known Justin for several years, had the pleasure of speaking, um, being a co-speaker at an event with him, with a with a common friend of all of ours, Carmen, uh, she introduced us. And so um, I've learned so much from Justin, but what I love is with you all, it's the faith and work and faith at work message for um, all of our listeners out there. And with Justin, I've learned so much that in life, it is the gospel and justice, that there are a lot of ands in life that um, biblically is an and, and culturally, somehow we've decided it's an or, mm-hmm. and it's not. In God, it's an and. And so uh, I want our listeners today to realize that justice is a life, biblical life um, verb. Just like we do love uh, the Bible, it, God says, do justice, do righteousness. And so I had to have Justin on today because he has such a beautiful message and such a beautiful way to share this with all of our listeners. All right, Justin, that's quite a, a, a that's quite an entree. I mean, it, I mean, she just you know it doesn't get much better than that. So that's awesome. On your website, it says the lawyer, the pastor, and the artist. Sounds like the first line of a joke. <laughs> so there's a lawyer. There's this artist. Okay, sorry, that's lost on you right now. Okay, okay. All right, but it's the intro on your website for the leadership team at andcampaign.org. That's andcampaign.org. Tell us about how God brought you together to start this coalition. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, you're talking about myself, who, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've been in politics for a while. I'm an attorney. Uh, the other co-founders are, are Sho Baraka, who is a uh, Christian artist, and Angel Maldonado, who is a, a pastor. And I think God brought us together, uh, you know, really, uh, for, for a moment such, such as what's going on now, where a lot of Christians were trying to figure out how to be more faithful in politics. And I think, you know, people are looking for a way to make sure that uh, their full, you know, the whole gospel, you know, they could put into what they did in the civic arena, because the civic arena is very important. And we came together and, and really found a false dichotomy. And I think a lot of what we, we talk about is this false dichotomy that separates justice for more order. Whereas if you're concerned about justice, then you'll go to the left and you'll be a Democrat. Or if you're concerned about more order, then you'll be a Republican. But when we looked at the gospel, when we looked at the walk of Jesus, we, when we looked through the Old Testament, it was both. It was both compassion and conviction. It was justice and moral order, love and truth. And that that was a false dichotomy and really presented us with a false dilemma. And so the end campaign literally is putting those things together, letting people know that love and truth are not mutually exclusive, 
that justice and moral order aren't mutually exclusive, that those things are interdependent. And if you look, you know, if you read the gospel and you read the Bible closely, you'll see it there. Uh, and that's one of the ways that we can kind of help heal our political landscape and just society in general. So the and is joining those things together, justice and moral order. I mean, th- that's that's where the and comes from, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the and comes from. We, we believe that the gospel puts those things together. And so in our public witness and in our interpersonal relationships and so on, we should be putting those things together as well instead of separating so I know I was at your on your website several times looking at it. And again, I want to let the listeners know it's andcampaign.org and you spell out the word and. And the first thing you see um, is it says biblical values and social justice. So for people that really struggle with that, like I always thought it was either or, I don't understand how it's an and, help us connect those dots a little bit more. You alluded to it, but help us to understand how that's okay, and then how do we actually start communicating that way so that we can help other people to get the and? Sure. Well, we can go to scripture. Uh, you know, we, we really, the concept for us came from uh, Ephesians uh, uh, 4.15, where Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus about um, unity in the church and also maturity. And he says that basically, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of false teachings and all these other things that are going on, a mature Christian is able to speak the truth in love. Uh, and that was that was heavy for us because the gospel wasn't what it was saying. The gospel wasn't just love by itself, which love without truth just, you know, it, it doesn't have any form. Right. But it wasn't just truth by itself because truth without love is harshness. Mm-hmm. But when you brought these things together, that's what the God, that's what people who proclaim the gospel would be able to do as they interacted with others. But again, for us, that wasn't just in, in inside the four walls of the church. That wasn't just in you know our uh, interpersonal relationships. That's how we should act even in the civic space, right? And so when you look at love, if we love our neighbors, right? If we love our neighbors like ourselves, that's the second half of, of the great commandment, then we will do for them what we would do for ourselves. And, 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 I, and I often use that to say, that kind of includes justice because nobody, you know, nobody on this uh, on this podcast right now would allow somebody that they love to be mistreated at school. No one would allow, you know, the kids in their neighborhood to drink lead poisoned water. Well, why is that? Because you believe in justice. And if you would do it for yourself, then you would have to do it for your neighbor across the tracks and you'd have to do it for other people. And that's why we say love is very much a part of the conversation when it comes to the gospel, because we love other people we will be socially active for them, right? And that doesn't take anything away from prayer. We're all about that. Um, But when God places things things in our sphere of influence, sometimes he's already given us the opportunity and the ability to change things. So if your child cut their leg and they were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't just say, well, we're just supposed to proclaim the gospel. Of course you are. But you also have the ability to make sure that your child has a Band-Aid and that you you get some alcohol and, and disinfect it. That's what we're saying, because that's the same thing we should be doing in society. So that's why we think justice is so important. But what gives justice form is truth. And so that's why I don't think people should be afraid of social justice or whatever it is, because when you combine it with truth, when you combine it with moral order, now you're in a place where it's not being misused like it is in a a lot of places in society. Biblical justice. Well, and is there... Okay, so let's let's do a little definition going on here, Justin, because that's I think 
Yeah, if you watch too much TV, you've been hearing social justice thrown around like darts, arrows, and nuclear weapons. Um, I don't think that's really what you mean. Can you give us a definition of what you mean by social justice? And then I'd also like you to explain, you also mentioned on your website, redemptive justice. And how are these two connected? Yes, I would say when you're talking about biblical justice and and redemptive justice, those are the kind of the overarching thing. So everything we're talking about is, is biblical justice but we're applying it to a social context or we're applying it to a racial context. Uh, and, and that's really, that's really the difference. Uh, social justice from a biblical standpoint is just an aspect or a component of biblical justice or redemptive justice. Right? Um, so it's not something totally different. And so people say, well, why don't you just say biblical justice? Because we want to be specific because when a lot of people say biblical justice, they don't want to include the, the social aspect or the racial aspect and how that application works. And so we want to be very clear about that. But we also want to, you know, we, we understand this word has been co-opted, but we feel like, you know, as Christians who serve a God whose throne is, is made of uh, justice and righteousness, that we're the ones that should be bringing that to society. And so we don't want to let someone co-opt those terms. We want to say, no, we're going to take that back and we're going to show you how it should really look uh, instead of running away from it. Because I, I'm afraid that a lot of people, because folks have kind of distorted the meaning of justice and social justice, now we run away from justice in the social context altogether. I think that's the worst thing that you can do. I think the best thing to do is provide a better example of that. And that's what, and that's really what we're trying to do and why we, we're reclaiming that term. That's right. Oh. So, Kathy, you have um, been talking to the I Work For Him audience for years. We've had you on every month for a, a long time. And you know that um, it is our heart's desire for them as listeners, our friends, the I Work For Him Nation, to understand our conversation in the context of our workplace. So right. talk to the listener about how you see this applying to them in their work life and maybe some first steps. Right. So um, always individually first and then corporately and it, it just like Jesus every day along the way, everywhere you go. And so I, I, it might sound corny, but this is truth. If you see something, say something and then step up and do something. So within your workplace, if you see where, uh, somebody's not giving, being given a chance where there isn't equity or something's going on that you're just like, why does this person always get to go to lunch with leadership or have this special audience with leadership? But this person over here, despite working so hard and being the, my go-to person, never gets that audience. Uh, several promotions have come up and he, he or she hasn't even been considered. Um, you know, what, what about that friend of mine or that person that I knew that I put in for that job and they didn't even get an interview? Why is that? So, you know, ask respectful questions, but, but be on the lookout, you know, what, what's going on, but just in, in everyday life in the workplace, um, what does that culture look like? And again, we've been teaching love to this audience, um, biblical love to this audience for years. And so, you know, it, it, one of the things that um, that Justin touched on, but didn't go deeper into, um, and it's in his book that um, that we need to talk about. But well, you know, what, what book is that? Wait a minute. Now, Kathy, let's plug the book. Justin wrote a book. Good grief! If he wrote it, you better plug it. Compassion and conviction. Yes. Hey, there's the and yeah. symbol, but it, but you really mean a n d. ANDcampaign.org. Okay, compassion and conviction. Okay. So good. Compassion and conviction. So 
again, this isn't the soft, oh, just, you know, let it go. Oh, just not, don't worry about it. Just love one another. No, you know, that's, that's not love either. We, we wouldn't raise our children that way, you know, so there's discipleship in discipleship. There's discipline. Um, there's so many things, but he says in his book, you know, loving our neighbors involves actively seeking their well-being. So let me say to our I work for him people, loving our coworkers, loving the people we serve, loving our customers, loving our leadership involves active, actively seeking their well-being. Bottom line, that could be your filter for everything is what I'm saying is what I'm doing is how I'm behaving in the workplace. Am I actively seeking the well-being of the others around me? Because, you know, according to James 2, 15 through 17, um, if we say we love our neighbor, it's nonsense. So if we say we love our coworker, if we say we love our customer, if we say we love our boss, hey, remember our summer double dog dare prayer? Yes. Do you remember <laughs> the double dog dare prayer that I gave you guys? You're supposed to be praying for your for for a, a coworker, but your double dog dare prayer was to pray for that person in your workplace that was just driving you crazy. To love. <laughs> so if you are saying that you love that hardest to love coworker, it's nonsense if it's not reflected in your actions. So this is about not just saying it. So it's about doing it. You know, if you're if your spouse is always saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, but their action doesn't say that, you're not really believing them. It's like live it out. So Justin, I what's what's tough for me, I've been studying I've been studying this whole issue for for about a half a decade, trying to understand where did the church turn left or right when it should have been going straight together. So in other words, I, I really believe that the the, the, the church is really split on the understanding of social justice. Most of them really don't even understand it. So I want to make sure we speak truth into the church, especially the church that operates in the workplace today. So from your perspective, let's speak some truth uh, about what social justice may look like specifically from your heart in, in a workplace. So you're in the greater Atlanta metro, so which is a monster uh metropolitan area uh which and it's also extraordinarily diverse and you have crappy traffic so which that's challenging they, they already know that i know though, but you right? know like, there you are <laughs> speaking truth in love that's <clears throat> never go Sorry, through atlanta <laughs> that's right all right what does it look like justin what do you see it looking like in the workplace well i think kathy gave some good examples you know who, who gets opportunities who's getting training what do your interns look like? I mean, sometimes you got to be proactive and saying, you know what, I want a diverse group of interns because if people don't have those opportunities, they would never know. I mean, I'll give you, you know, uh, an example, you know, for me uh, going to certain schools, uh, you know, even uh, help me just get exposed to things that I would never have been exposed to before. And so it's very important that we're giving uh, a diverse group of people experiences and exposure that they wouldn't ordinarily get. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you can do in the workforce. And then just be deliberate about making sure that folks who may be a minority on the job are included. Look, the fact of the matter is, is we are broken, right? And so if we're not deliberate, if we're not vigilant, we know, we all know that we'll do things that maybe we're not proud of and aren't even aware of. And so I just think we have to be very, uh, we have to look at our policies. We have to look at uh, who, who's working for us and be very deliberate and inclusive of people. 
And that's just the small things. I mean, we already know about legal, the legal side of, of discrimination and making sure that, you know, that isn't um, going on in our job. But we also have to realize that there's a history of this. You, you first ask, where did we go wrong? And I would say from the beginning, I mean, discrimination was a part of our laws for a long time. And that does, the, the effects of that don't just go away. And so, again, we have to be very deliberate about getting that right. The fact of the matter is the church, much of the church just got it wrong on civil rights. And that was a huge, you know, that was a, a huge mistake. That's not something we can go back and fix. The question is, have we fixed what it was that made us miss that? If we can't point to things that say, yes, we fixed what it was that made us completely miss why we should have been a part of civil rights, then we're in trouble we need to take the time to do those things. And that can happen in the workplace, in the church, and in many other uh, aspects of life. Well, I think the church was wrong a lot through its silence. Uh, I mean, I've heard from many in the black community that we, just on one example, the whole welfare laws of the early 60s, and, and the black church was crying out to the white church, would you please make sure that that law doesn't pass? It's going to decimate our families. And the church didn't do anything about it. So I don't think that the church is in a better place today to understand civil rights issues as a whole, but I believe there's a lot of us in the church that do get it, that are, have been raised in a different culture than maybe our parents or grandparents were raised in. But it also, Justin, I think depends on the territory of the country you live in. I mean, it's, I grew up in Minnesota. It, it very, okay, not the Minnesota today, but the Minnesota of, you know, 35, 40 years ago. It just was not, it wasn't an issue as opposed to today. Obviously, we got some issues there. So let's talk solutions, Kathy and Justin, because as the I Work for Him Nation, the prayer, care, share lifestyle has got it. Kathy, there's got to be a play on this. There's got to be a way to fit that in to bringing social justice to our workplaces and, and really helping people understand redemptive justice and this whole overarching uh, theme of biblical justice. How's it tie together, Kathy? Right. So, you know, let me let, let's take it all the way back to the beginning of relationship listening, learn, you know, don't just go into your office every day, go straight to your office and then go straight out and only come out when you need something or to bark at somebody or to go to a meeting and lunch, get to know people and don't assume things about them. So say you have a worker who's tends to run late um, or you have somebody who comes in from an interview who's not very refreshed. Uh, um, Wow, you so you look a little tired. Can you tell me maybe what's going on in your life? Oh, well, I'm working two jobs right now trying to make ends meet. And I'm so excited to have this opportunity to come interview for this job. This could be life-changing for my family. Then you learn that person's a hard worker, not a slacker because they're late or they look a little disheveled. So um, again, talk to people, get to know their stories, find out what's going on in their household. How can you love them? because uh, Jesus loved, and then he shared the gospel. But we need to be the gospel first. Mm, we need to so be true. the people that attract our um, people to Jesus, not repel them. And so if the Bible says it, simply do it. Mm, good word. Too simple. Too simple. Justin, I want to read on your website, it lists out the mission of the Anne campaign. It says to educate and organize Christians for civic and cultural engagement that results in better representation, more just and compassionate policies, and a healthier political culture. How is this mission more important than ever? Wow. In, in this moment where we have seen just so much racialized violence, so much uh, division, 
I truly believe that it has to be the church to, to bring this country back together again. We've seen the answers coming from the left. We've seen the answers coming from the right and they're just not working. Uh, and so Christians, there are a lot of us on both sides of the aisle and, you know, and, and take different stances, but we have more in common than anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. We have the same great commandment. We have the same great commission. Uh, we serve the same Lord. There is no reason Amen. that we can't find common ground to come together and do better uh, and, and do justice. And so we want to give Christians, and that and the book is that's what it's all about, compassion and conviction. We want to give Christians a framework for how to interact in the civic space so that we can come together, so that there can be uh, some some reconciliation. Because uh, one thing that we know is is not obedient on our part is to have a divided church, to have a church that yeah. can't come together, even on issues that we agree and say we need to do better. So I think one of the things that we're trying to do is through education and through providing a framework and the initiative that I'm working on with Kathy, which is the Prayer and Action Justice Initiative, is saying enough is enough. Biblical Christians in America need to lead on this conversation about police, on this conversation about um, community. We need to lead and show people what justice really looks like. Instead of complaining about how everybody else gets it wrong, look, the, the world gets a lot of things wrong. They get marriage wrong. They get a whole lot of things. We don't quit those things. Amen. Well, it's time for us to step in and say, they're getting justice wrong. Let us show you how to do it in a better way. And let okay. us show you how the Bible speaks to this. Okay. I'll end by saying this. I think that we're about evangelism, but we have to realize that our refusal to do justice hurts our ability to evangelize. And once we start doing justice and show people how serious we are about that, I think we'll find that our evangelism will be a lot more effective. Amen. Mm. And it's so important, Justin, one of the things you, you talk about civic space, we need to let Christ followers know it's okay to get involved in the civic space. It's okay to get involved in politics, mm. in, in running for office. It's okay to, to get involved. I mean, God didn't Not create. Not just okay, it's it, good. It is, it is <laughs> command. I mean, God created government. We need to get involved in this, and, and the church should be leading the way. We have the largest voting block in the country. But the church is well underrepresented. We're out of time, guys. But Justin Gibney, I really appreciate you just sharing from your heart. Uh, we got to bring you back. Yeah, your book. Get a copy of Justin's book, Compassion and Conviction. Uh, and just thank you so much, Kathy Branzell, for bringing Justin on and for sharing from Love 2020. Thank you both very much for being on today. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work For Him and online, iworkforhim.com. I work the number 4him.com